the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. There's one thing that I can hope for in a new year. It's not that fiscal constraints or the cliff gets hit or doesn't get hit, or it's not a lot of we solve cancer. If there's one thing that I can hope for is that back in black somehow gets erased from my memory forever. So we got a market that's unsettled. The NFL and referees reach agreement to end a lockout, and the stock market doesn't roar. The NFL and referees union hammered out an eight-year agreement, and they basically said, we give the Green Bay Packers ten free penalties. And Packers are not happy with this. So it's unsettled. Nothing's been settled until I say it's been settled. Five down days on the market, unsettling. One up day, doesn't make me happy. For the month, I'm happy. For the year, I'm happy. Upside bias being attributed largely to strong gains in China's Shanghai Composite, which jumped 2.6%. Whee! Chinese authorities might take some steps to boost their stock market. Whee! We've since learned this morning that China's close... Authorities merely announced new rules pertaining to securities and futures markets, but nothing that can be construed as a boost artificially for their stock prices. So it's kind of like a weird little yo-yo thing that's going on. China's central bank made its largest weekly cash injection ever into the money market. That's a very, very, very clear housekeeping maneuver. Central bank is aiming to ensure that adequate liquidity ahead of their upcoming long Week-long holiday. The Chinese take the week off to celebrate my birthday. Although, for the record, I don't have a birthday. I was born February 30th. A poor black child. More germane to the story surrounding China and the global economy is the country's largest listed steelmaker announced it was suspending production of a 3 million metric tons a year plant on account of weak demand. Fundamental story is that China's not that great. 
The good news is, I know you're saying, give me some good news, Black. The good news is we're back in black yet again. No, the good news is that um, we don't really care. It just doesn't matter. Bill Murray meatballs, probably 1977. It just, no, it's probably 1981. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. We're not an export country, so we keep looking at China and Europe like we're an export country, but we're not an export country. Yes, it's 12% of our economy. The jobs numbers matter. Second quarter GDP was revised 1.3% from 1.7%. That's a pretty eye-opening headline, but it's discounted because we already know it's in the past. Past performance, not indicative of future results. If I had a producer, he would be playing me some meatballs. It just doesn't matter right now. Number six, let me down. I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough. The August Durable Good Orders reported a spike or not so much. A spike down 13.2% in new orders. A 101.8% decline in new orders. I didn't know that you can get above 100%. So when an athlete says, I give 110%, you can't give 110%. You can only give 100%. And then you're dead. But 101% decline in new orders for defense, non-defense aircraft. One Boeing was ordered last month. One Boeing jet. One. One, the whole wide world ordered one jet from Boeing. That's, that's honestly, I never thought I'd see a number like that, but it honestly may, makes me, me want to flush, cut my hand off and flush it down the toilet. Like, that's just a number that's just, it's preponderous. One jet worldwide. So there's someone in my mind sitting by the phone waiting to pick it up at Boeing New Orders. And the phone rang once. Initial claims for the week fell 26,359,000. That's below expectations. But that's just one side of the story. Don't you wish I was a one-handed storyteller? Because on the other hand, it's not so much that we're losing jobs, it's when do we create jobs. Now, this is actually a pretty good number. And this is what we're going to take away from this first segment. It's a pretty good number. We're not an export country. I'm not going to say screw it, screw it. Okay, I just said it. We're not an export country, so we don't really care about Germany. We don't really care about Greece. We do and we don't. The labor market's not getting any worse. That's what's important. Jobless claims only tell you one side of the story. It doesn't mean we're going to hire, but recently we got some pretty good confidence numbers, which probably tells us we're going to hire. Tempur-Pedic, a pioneer of memory foam mattresses, they're going to buy, uh, they're going to be bought by, hold on, wait, Tempur-Pedic agreed to acquire Sealy. Now, one thing I can tell you, and I mean this with love and joy, love and joy, mattress makers, love and joy, but the fact that they spend so much money on radio and television advertising, it doesn't tell me they're a mafia business, because I would never, ever, ever say that. But I kind of wish Tim Perpita and Sealy were separate because 
you know, you can get a if you can find a better deal on these mattresses anywhere. But the, 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 you only give one store one name, and then you name it something else in a different store. We we're on to you, mattress companies. How can you afford to spend so much in advertising unless someone's getting either cheap labored and or paying way too much for a mattress? I buy my mattresses after a murder at a hotel. When the hotel's ready to say, you know, there's a lot of blood on this mattress, we'll give it to you for, for heck, it's free. Just take it off our premises. You can buy your mattresses from a motel that charges by the hour. Fine by me. So there's a couple stains on it. You can buy your mattresses from a hotel after there's been a murder-suicide. Fine by me. Blood comes up. But buying a new mattress, is, it's a financial investment, similar to buying a house, or at least similar to buying a car, right? So I'm not going to talk Celia and Tempur-Pedic. I'm already angry. You've pissed me off today. The betting business, you've pissed me off. Got some seminars coming up. You can sign up for them at robblack.com. One of them's coming up in San Jose on October 13th. Two of them coming up in San Jose. One for wealth, creation, one for wealth, preservation. Sign up at robblack.com. AM 1220 KDOW is up eight points. That's a gain of 0.3%. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I refuse to talk. I'm on strike. Now that the NFL referees have come off strike, I'm back on strike. Hmm. Clue. Very powerful stuff. That's what I got for you. That's all I got for you. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Evil will always triumph over good because good is dumb. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, much, much more. What do we got for you? Let's see if we got anything for you. Let's take a look at the stock market. We've had five down days. We've had an up month. We've had an up year. We've had an up quarter, five down days. What do you make of it? SP 500 up four, the NASDAQ up 11, the Dow up 22. Joining me now, certified financial planner, Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Let's talk about what rate of return should be used when planning for retirement. This is a big concept. Let's digest it. Yeah, and it always, whenever I, you know, get that question or that idea that we're going to talk about, it always brings me back to there was a, even back in 1999, you remember when People Magazine were doing even financial articles in People Magazine? I don't remember that. They were doing a poll, and they said, what, what do you expect your 401ks to average over the, until you get to retirement? And 19% was the average answer. Okay, yeah. 56% of the people and the average is, is ridiculous. And I, I was, kind of knew something was wrong Those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. Yes, luckily I had a lot of people in balanced funds back then and was able to stay in the business. So, 
Um, there's really two different rates that you want to use. So when you're doing your cash flow planning and you're assuming how much your portfolio is going to be worth, depending on how much you're saving in your 401k and things like that, there's a couple different rates of return you want to use. First of all, get with the idea that the market has averaged 11% in stocks. Okay. But you're not going to spend your entire lifetime just in stocks. So the average has been 11%. I think the average is going to be muted over the next decade, as we've talked about before, because of the deleveraging and the amount of debt that governments around the world have, which will kind of slow growth on the consumer and the corporate side. So really what you want to do to assume that you're going to transition your portfolio, especially in the last 10 years before you get to retirement, to be very balanced with a lot of cash and bonds, never use more than 7%. If you're in your 30s and 40s and you're projecting your portfolio to grow at 8 to 10 you're expecting too much. You need to be like a corporation where they put their their expectations out and then they want to beat it, right? So same thing with the financial plan. Okay. So you want to do the 6 to 7% uh, projected rate of returns pre-retirement. Right. That way you can adjust your expectations in a positive fashion if you continue to beat that over a 5 to 10 year period. So basically saying don't don't be too aggressive because then you're going to have to cut things you weren't planning on cutting. Right. And and again, some more market history for you. The market's averaged 11% over the last 100 years, but it's only it's only returned between that kind of 9 to 12% range right in that area eight times. It's usually much higher or lower. Okay. So it's not a straight up situation and when you're doing your spreadsheets, it's typically kind of that compounding perfect you know, straight line up. It doesn't happen that way. So be conservative. In retirement, because interest rates are so low, because bonds are paying so low, cash isn't paying a whole heck of a lot, and you need at least three years worth of your portfolio draws in cash, you want to use that 55 to 6% range at the most. And that means, you know, you're typically going to have at least three years worth of expenses and, and safe money, and okay. which will average 2 to 4% of your lifetime. You're typically going to have around 5 to 10% in REITs, which will average around 6 over your lifetime. You're going to have you know, another 30 to 40% in bonds that will average 5 to 6 over your lifetime, and another 30 to 40% in stocks that you want to say, I want the dividend growers, right? Sure. Now which, you're, ta- you're not talking all stocks, and you're not... Again, as you approach no. retirement, you're probably a little bit safer with your stocks. Right. Life. You're going to be less of the emerging market small cap investor and more of the dividend. Mm. You, know, you want stocks that, that are growing... It's to yeah. fight inflation, but you want that dividend that I always talk about that increases with inflation as well. So you want the dividend growth companies, not just the, the small cap investor like a you know, 30-year-old might look at. So, and when you get the big years, are you harvesting them and becoming more conservative? When you get the down years, do you need to take on more risk? Like, do, do you see, let's talk about the big up years, because there are big up years where you exceed expectations. Should you change your philosophy? Yeah, and this is what I talk about, the retirement events that we do, and, and do it in a very graphical form. But I have four different areas that I have people's money in retirement. Okay. You've got your safe money. You've got your balanced portfolio of no-load funds and ETFs. You've got your dividend stock portfolio. And then an income guarantee portfolio, which is typically some sort of a no-load product that guarantees income for life. And so you've got the safe money. All the other areas are feeding the safe money with income and gains. And so when you have a big year in your stock portfolio or the, the equity portion of your balance portfolio, you peel off the growth. Part of the growth goes to make sure that you get your three years back up of expenses back up to three years. So if you've spent a year, you want to increase that by a year. And then the rest, you decide, well, do I want to peel off some of the stock growth and put it into the balance portfolio or the income guarantee portfolio or create extra cash depending on how conservative you're feeling? So it's a constant rebalancing strategy. Um, there's some strategies out there that you know have you put your money in annuities and private REITs and stuff that locks you up for 10 years, and those are bad strategies. A good financial plan means flexibility, and you don't want to tie money up. 
Good stuff. That's certified financial planner Chad Burton talking about making decisions in volatile markets, especially in retirement. Critically important you know how to do it. CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. How about a happy headline, everyone? A Kentucky mother gets 35 years for leaving an infant to, in a car to die. Kentucky woman's been sentenced 35 years in prison for leaving her two-year-old son to die in a sweltering car while she was passed out on drugs in her apartment. Anyone else want a happy headline? Judge says you have to take responsibility for this for a 29-year-old woman for leaving a two-year-old in a car at 130 degrees. Anyone else want a happy headline? I'm sure I got them. And you're saying, this world is a crazy world. How does that happen? Initial jobless claims, 359,000. Actual versus expected, 379,000. That's a bogus number on a week-to-week basis. What you're looking for is a monthly trend. Continuing claims of 3.27 million versus expectations, 3.275. That's not a good number. I'm trying to find happy news for you. Durable goods excluding transportation, negative 1.6% versus negative 2 tenths of percent expected. The good news is we don't care about exports. August durable good orders, negative 13.2% versus expectations, negative 5%. How can we have a Congress that can get reelected? How can we have a president get reelected with these numbers? Second quarter GDP, 1.3%. And the, the beauty of it is, is we can always hide behind capitalism. We will take care of ourselves. We are not an export nation. We are a nation of consumers. But home builders are helping us, and homes are helping us. But good golly, I'm getting depressed listening to myself. And yet, I still think we have a post-presidential election rally. This is Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. What do I have to say? I heard some really upsetting news. Is it that I'm getting fired from radio? No. Anyone can have my job in radio if you've got a good six-pack of beer. It's yours. Is it that I'm getting fired from TV? No. The happiest day of my life, the worst day of my life, all happened just a couple minutes ago. I've just heard three words that mattered the most. These three words that every man longs to hear at some moment in our life. No bacon shortage. No bacon shortage. There's been erroneous reports out lately about a bacon shortage. There's been the, quote, unavoidable bacon shortage. The price of bacon's going to rise, yes, but there will be no shortage. The price of bacon's going to rise almost 2.5% year over year. Will I have to pay more for my bacon? Yeah. 
the aftershock from the drought that drove up the price of corn and other crops used to feed pigs, the nightmare that we could have imagined didn't come to fruition. There is no unavoidable bacon shortage. Had I been around in the French Revolution, I probably would have said something to piss off the king. The king probably would have said, off to the guillotine for you. My head would have been under the chopper. And at the last second, I get a reprieve from the jaws of certain death. No bacon shortage. Some people say hell is the absence of God. To me, it's the absence of bacon. When I look at cats, I see bacon. When I look at turkeys, I see turkey bacon. But the best of all is pig bacon. There's no impending, unavoidable bacon shortage. Let me repeat. You'll hear reports of bacon shortages. Don't believe them. Small packs of bacon-starved, wild-eyed villagers would rave, would, would roam, would rove, would pillage the countryside. We would arm our crossbows. Crossbows. Roll with it. We would, we would look for wild hogs. If we saw a hog, we would hit him with a stick. If a stick didn't work, we'd shoot him with our crossbow. For those of us without crossbows, without the ability of going out in the country, without the understanding of survival instincts, we will be okay. We will descend the depths in order to satiate our cravings for bacon. We will roam the streets day and night to find our bacon. We will pay 2.5% more for our bacon. We will end up with a little arterial sclerosis. Arterial sclerosis. Roll with it. I just made it up. We will end up with clogged arteries. We will visit bacon speakeasies. We will say things that, that make no sense in order to get our bacon. We will talk to people with pork pie hats. What once was a brothel will become a, a bacon all. We will see people who sit around and smoke entire hams and look at them as deities. The bacon hoarders, they may move underground. They may go to ham radio. Burger King will stop their ridiculous bacon Sunday because they'll have to. But no such fate is really coming. There is no bacon shortage. We'll pay more for it. I look at various works of bacon, a lot like some people look at the various works of Shakespeare and study that. Do I like my bacon undercooked? Do I like smoked bacon? Do I like peppered bacon? Do I like crispy bacon? Again, Bacon found on a cat is just as delicious as turkey bacon, which is just as delicious as ham bacon. When the world is losing its stuff, when people look at global warming, all we need to do is wrap bacon around the world. Now, there is some folly for turning the entire corn crop or half the corn crop into ethanol. And I get it. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm upset by it, just like you are. 
But there is no bacon shortage. Are you with me or are you against me? My favorite bacon movie, Hamlet. Why do pigs go to the Big Apple, you ask? To see the Big Apple. How do pigs go to New York? Pig up trucks. I once told a nurse that I was suffering from bacon disease. She said, baloney. Knock, knock. Who's there? Bacon. Bacon who? Bacon and cake for your birthday. Oftentimes when I go to adult clubs or take off their clothes, I say, do you like bacon? Want a strip? Hey, baby, can I fry my bacon? Enough bacon jokes, right? Let's go to Omar in Palo Alto. Omar, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. I'm upset about this whole bacon running out story. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened at the at the end there with the when he got to the adult club with the uh, clothes coming up. I didn't I didn't catch that reference. Don't make me angry. I'm just joking, obviously. So should okay, I ask Omar. A question you've or? just you've just brought the show to a grinding halt, Omar. Thanks. <laughs> That's my job. I'm the caller. Thank you. You're awesome, by the way. I listen to you every morning. You know, when when in the big city, watch out for pig pockets. Well, yeah, that's that's true. That makes sense. Pig pockets. Should I ask you the question? Go ahead. I want to know what the CD alternative is right now for somebody who wants to put away some money but might need to use it in 10 or 12 months. What do you need the money for in 12 months for? Buying bacon? Maybe buying, like, a bacon with a roof on it. You're thinking about buying a house? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. So why do you need a return in one year if you're going to be buying a house in one year? Well, I may not. I may not. Okay. Right now, my strategy has just been throw it in the checking account, but it seems, I don't know. I'm just, like I'm, way, yeah. But... You know one year is not an investable time period, so you're going with that. If I had to put money into something that, like, I'm going to pay my taxes for in a year, not buy a house, I'd consider a Ginny Mae fun. Oh. You know who my favorite actor what? is? Who your favorite actor? Yeah. Kevin Bacon? Kevin Bacon, you win. <laughs> I have nothing to give you, but I, you win. <laughs> That's cold. I got that. I don't get a prize. My second, you know, my second favorite actor? Oh, man. No, actually, I have no idea because I don't know if anybody else has last name Bacon. Kira said John Ham. John Ham. <laughs> you know, I've, I don't know if you've heard, but there's no bacon shortage. No. Oh, man. That's okay, good. okay. Porky Pig, as a child, did you love him or did you feel bad for him because he stuttered? I think I would feel bad for him. I, th- I always felt bad, and I always felt bad for the coyote. Like, he always bought products that, like, if you bought them today, you would sue the company. But he'd always buy stuff from Acme, like it would blow up on him. So he's about to get that Roadrunner in 
his rocket blows up and, and crisps him like bacon. I feel bad because when I think of Acme, I think of that wonderful bread company. Is there a bread company called Acme? Oh, yeah. There's a Bay huh. Area bread company called Acme. It's I didn't delicious. know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you should be a spokesperson because you, you are so eloquent, kind of like um, uh, Mike Tyson. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate that. This bread is delicious. <laughs> Okay, so I, if I were looking for short-term parking my money, I'm going with uh, Ginny Mays. Ginny Mays. And how do, you, so, how do you even go about I've never invested in one of those, so how do you go about... Good I mean, I God, you want me, do you want me to come to your house and make the phone call to your broker for you, too? <laughs> call, eight, call 800 Fidelity. Say, okay. uh, I'm a simpleton. I want to open up an account. And they'll say, okay, we'll open up an account. And do you want an IRA, Roth IRA? Do you want a regular regular account? Say, I'm simple, and I want a regular account. And they're going to open up the paperwork for you. It's going to take three to five days, and then you could put money, you could transfer it from your bank with a money to market account. Um, so it's going to go straight from your bank into the account, or you could write a check into it, or you can go and deposit money into it. And you're looking for Fidelity Ginny May Fund. Ginny May spelled G-I-N-N-I-E. Uh, you could go with Vanguard, do the same thing. Uh, I would imagine Franklin, Franklin Templeton has a Ginny May fund. Go with any good Ginny May fund. Uh, Ginny Mays are basically government securities tied towards the housing market. They are not loans, per se. Uh, they are 100% backed by the government. I do not see a day where the Ginny May goes away. Um, it stands for Government National Mortgage Association. It's something I would put my mother into for a short term. Is there some principal risk? Yes. Is it high? No. Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Listening to Rob Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW. J.K. Rowling swapping teenage spells for a book on sex or a sex-filled book. Taking a page from Fifty Shades of Grey, which obviously fueled the adult toy market in the United States, companies like Target, but also became the number one bestseller for the year. For reasons of a bad economy, maybe people are looking at their spouses and say, you're not providing for me on the fiscal side, so I'm going to provide. I'll just drop the conversation because I'm so close to being bleeded. I know you're saying bleeded. <laughs> yes, they're going to hook up a, a leech to me and bleed me. Is beef sustainable? Energy is a big kahuna. For McDonald's, the world's biggest restaurant chains, fast food restaurant global annual energy bills hits about $2 billion. Simple fixes. They're using more energy-efficient LED light bulbs. They've got more systemic changes, working with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, rethinking livestock raising practices. So a question was once asked of McDonald's, how sustainability has evolved over the years at McDonald's? 
And the answer was the trend of the global consumer really wanting to know where their food comes from is something that wasn't the case 10 to 20 years ago, but it is today. Sustainability is everyone's business now. So they work trying to be more sustainable. You don't see it, but they do. They look at their CO2 footprint. They look at their supply chain. They've got 33,500 restaurants. That's part of their CO2 footprint. The other two-thirds is in the supply chain from the livestock, raising the cattle in the fields, ranches. Are they doing sustainable beef today? No. Are they looking at it? Yeah. Is McDonald's a restaurant? Is it a cafeteria? Do you think at the McDonald's headquarters they serve McDonald's food? See, I stay up late at night thinking about that question. I'm pretty passionate about my thought process. I like to consider myself a thinker. I basically use my thoughts to readjust my prejudices. I believe McDonald's cannot create a healthy lifestyle for any American. I like people being healthy because healthy people cost less money. I was talking with a Canadian yesterday about the Canadian healthcare system, and about 51% of their taxes go to healthcare, and they're pretty good with it. They're not an angry people. They look at the United States and look at our government, our defense spending, and they laugh at us. They'd rather their money go to paying for Joe who has cancer or paying for Elaine who's got smallpox or paying for Tim who's, you know, they don't mind that. And I said, but you don't have the illegal immigration problem the United States has. You don't have the problem of anyone could walk into an emergency room. She's like, right, because we have health care for everyone. So there's no right answer. I could tell you one thing. No average Joe will ever be elected in the United States, and because no average Joe ever gets elected in the United States, we'll never change our system. Average Joes do get elected in, in Canada. Average Joes do get elected in Australia. They've got a party system that's not rich Republican lawyers or rich Democrat lawyers. It's almost odd and refreshing when we get a former stand-up comedian to be one of our representatives or a former actor to be one of our representatives. But it also tells you, like, we dream gopher into Congress. That's not a very big dream. I'd like to get a school teacher who last year taught third grade. Wouldn't it you? What else is there to talk about? There has to be something. Some mistakes that people make on interviews are pretty tragic. <gasps> Fried chicken with bacon crust. I just found my odyssey. I actually won a heart attack before I turned 50. Okay. Back to mistakes that people make in interviews. Wear appropriate attire. Don't wear inappropriate attire. 
Don't wear a golf shirt. Don't wear shorts. Don't wear flip-flops. Err on the side of being overdressed. Another mistake people make, having questionable social media content. Look, the radio station that I work for posted a photo of me recently. I said, take it off. There was something inappropriate about it. I wanted it off. I don't want to be tied to any photo that's inappropriate. So 70% of hiring managers make the mistake of potentially... 70% of hiring managers say that their interviewees make the mistake of posting compromising content on social media channels like Facebook. According to Intel, top social media faux pas includes posting inappropriate or explicit photos, sharing too personal information about yourself, using profanity, writing with poor grammar, and spelling. Stop doing it. You have to ask questions in your interview. Don't not ask questions. Engage in them in some way, shape, or form. Show them that you can fit into the company's long-term plans. Stay away from salary, benefits, and hours. Wait till the offer's made for those questions. Do your research on the company. 62% of hiring managers say that lack of research or preparation about the company or the position hurt the company, hurt the interview. You're listening to me, Roberto Negro, Adol Arrows, from the Wall Street Business Network. 1-6-12-20. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. It's the Texas State Fair. It happens a little bit later in the year. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and much, much more. Why am I talking Texas State Fair? Well, Texas State Fair is where a lot of trucks get introduced. The 2013 F-150 King Ranch. It's got 20-inch wheels. It's got King Ranch chrome, which is probably like fine Corinthian leather. I don't know what it is. It's got a new F-150 new grill to it. It's innovation. It's luxury. What is King Ranch? It's a 5-liter V8, 3.5-liter turbocharged EcoBoost six-cylinder engine that's defied even Ford's own predictions with its popularity. So Ford unveils new trucks at state fairs in Texas because in Texas you want to out-truck one another. I know you're saying you can't possibly out-truck me. I just did. Go check yourself. I out-trucked you. Spain and Greece have some new austerity deals in place. There's been some violent protest, followed by showers. As the government says, here, we need to clear your tear ducts. And we need to clean you with a power hose. So tear gas, water hoses, plastic bullets, all being used right now because people are upset. Look, this is going to happen in the United States the way we're spending money. We're spending money like Europeans. We're spending more on social issues. We're spending more on fiscal issues. We're spending more on wars. But at some point in time, people are going to stop lending us money. Will it happen in my lifetime? Probably not. But international bailouts have been brewing in Europe for 2,000 years. 
In the United States, we're 300 years old at best. So without cash, country has problems paying their bills. That's going to force Greece to default on their debts, possibly ditch the euro, and they probably should. In Madrid, the government's put the finishing touches on a plan for a new round of budget cuts, higher taxes, changes to pensions. If you think your pension in the United States is safe, you're either delirious or you're high. We're going to get an auditor coming out of Europe shortly. It's going to release the results of some bank stress tests. Now, is this reasons to invest or not to invest? This is reasons to invest. And I hope you see that. Because what the government promises us in Social Security, they're going to make me wait longer to get it. And I'm not too happy about that. When I was 15 years old, I scooped ice cream at Baskin Robbins. <laughs> this is actually a pretty funny story. You know how you go to an ice cream place and they have to write on cakes? I've got, like, the hands of a diabetic. My hands are shaky because of caffeine. I can't write on cakes. So people would get, like, happy birthday, Ronnie, even though it's supposed to be, like, happy birthday, Robert. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I tried. I didn't lose my job for it. But some people got some pretty average cakes, to say the least. I don't know. That's a skill that I don't have. Women have a huge set of obstacles that men don't have. Do you take early retirement? Do you not? Do you take part-time jobs? Do you not? Firefighters who retire early take an extra job. Is that wrong? That they're living off their pension and taking another job? Or should everyone under a pension scenario have to work till 60, 65? It's a good question. Should politicians get pensions? If I were a woman, I'd be frightened as an investor, as a, a pay earner, as everything. There's an income gap. More women enter the workforce than men do now. They're moving to higher level positions. They still make less money than men. The wage gap between men and women has been stagnant for the past decade. They're not making a lot of progress. Typical woman with full-time job earns about 77 cents for every dollar paid to a male. They're at a financial disadvantage to start. They take off less time now to raise their children. Unemployment, although men were hard to sit by job losses during the recession, men have recovered faster than women. A lot of women have been left out in the cold from June 2009 to July 2012. Women regained only 26% of the jobs they lost in the recession. Men regained 40.6%. Heavy job losses in public sector jobs, which include teachers, nurses, and social workers, have primarily hit women. Retirement saving plans. Women tend to work in industries that offer pension plans, but they are not necessarily eligible because they don't work enough hours or work part-time. A lot of employers have shifted from pension plans to 401ks and 403bs, but women are less likely than men to participate in them. They earn less. They tend to be single moms more often than men are single dads, so they can't afford to put money towards retirement. Women pay more for health insurance. Women pay more for clothes. Women live longer than men. I love women. Social Security is the retirement linchpin for women. 
but women receive lower benefits. They're based on a person's work and earnings history. Average Social Security benefit for a woman 65 and older is about $12,100 a year. The average paycheck per year, $12,100 for a woman for Social Security. For a man, it's 16000 Does this not, like, ring true to you? Again, let's go back to more women are single parents than men are. And that's financial responsibility. It makes it tough to say. Poverty rate of women 65 and older, two times higher than men's rate. Women need to save more than men. We all thought Obama was going to fix all these problems. You thought wrong. Our next politician won't fix it either. It's up to you to take care of it yourself. Married couples have always fared better financially than single people. A lot of people feel they can't go it alone. They divorce multiple times. Divorce has consequences financially. These are things that I think about all day long. When I'm not thinking about my next seminar coming up in Los San Jose. San Jose, the Radisson Airport, from 9 to noon, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. This is a good event for men and women. Heading towards retirement, age 40, 50, 60, 70. If you've got a sizable amount of wealth, 200, 300, 400,000, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million dollars, you need to figure out what to do. You need to figure out a plan. You need to get a second opinion. Bring your portfolios. I'll take a look at them. So I'm going to do wealth preservation retirement planning in the morning. San Jose, Radisson, from 9 to noon. October 13th, it's a Saturday. This event will sell out. It'll book up. It's five bucks. It's not so much that it sells out. It's just... I try to keep the number of people limited, and I try to keep like the crazy people who want to make a million dollars overnight trading out. So go sign up at robblack.com, robblack.com, Rasson, October 13th, Saturday from 9 to noon, Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning. And in the afternoon, it's for the people who are 20, 30, who need to create wealth, who haven't started saving for retirement, who need to start saving for retirement. What's a budget? Why is it important? How to max it out? How to, how to go long-term? You can sign up for that event at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Let's take a break here. You listen to Rob Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Anyone want to hear me sing? Anyone? I can't quit myself. Please? One more. Open the door. SP 500 up five, and NASDAQ up 15, the Dow's up 19. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking money, talking investments, talking much, much more. Chad, I remember a couple years ago. Someone said, what rate of return would you take to quit? Basically, they want me out of the industry. So if they can guarantee it to me, I'd quit. Um, Typically, historically, I'd say about 15% was the number that professional money managers would take. If they can get 15% returns guaranteed for the rest of their life, they'd quit. That seems a little high in this day and age. Uh, What's your thoughts? Yeah, I think because of the the debt bubble and the deleveraging situation that we're going to see around the world for the next 10 years, I think you could... 
cut that in half. I mean, the money doubles every 10 years at 7%. So the guaranteed return of 7% is unbelievable. <laughs> you couldn't find that. I would say that back in, like, 99, yeah. when interest rates were higher, um, there was fixed annuities out there by A-plus rated companies that were guaranteed at 6 and 7% for 10 years. Yeah. That was beautiful. It's In hindsight, it is beautiful. At the time, we didn't take it because there was bigger returns happening on the market. And it's funny because now that number, 15%, how about 12%? That still sounds pretty high uh, as far as a guarantee for the rest of your life when you take it, deal with the devil. Um, but it also comes down to different people, different expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for my income, I'm really, I'm only expecting 2 to 4%, but some people may need 4 to 6%. So they change their expectations to what they need, and then suddenly they're, they're taking on way too much risk. Well, yeah. So let's you got to kind of peel back your expectations a little bit because of the deleveraging that we're going to see. I still think we're going to see positive returns in markets over the next decade, but I think that might be a little bit muted potentially because of the deleveraging. Uh, banks aren't lending as much. You don't have that kind of capital flow throughout the economies of the world. Um, so it's going to come a lot of from innovation, and two-thirds of the growth are, is projected to be from emerging market areas. And when you're dealing with emerging markets, you've got currency exchange issues, mm-hmm. so you, and you have political issues. So to get those historical averages of 11% in stocks that we've seen over the last 100 years, it means over time, not necessarily right away, but you're going to have to have more and more of your portfolio in international investments which means you're going to have to deal with more volatility. And that's why I say it's so important that by the time you get to retirement, you need three years' worth of expenses in cash so that you have a buffer for all of the volatility that we will continue to see over the next couple of decades. So you start blending some of your expectations is, is the concept there. You know, historically, stocks have averaged 10% plus some dividends. Mm-hmm. Bonds have averaged 6%, real estate 5%. So you start with the historic averages, but you understand that now, because in your words, deleveraging, you lower some expectations. And, you know, I, I saw someone once say, should I invest in this stock? It's got a 19% yield. Well, historically, anything over 6%, is like an earthquake. So when you go three times the historic rate of returns of what you could expect, you're starting to look at like a disaster in your portfolio if you're being too greedy, if you're you're extending your expectations. Yeah, the dividend trap when people are hunting for yield. The the, the most successful investors over time are are the total return investors that deal yield get both yield from dividends on stocks and bonds and capital growth out of the share prices the dividend growers and a way to hedge inflation in the long term with a portfolio is have a significant uh, portion of the stock side of your portfolio, which when you get to retirement might only be 30% of your portfolio in stocks that consistently raise their dividends on a year over year basis. You do screens for that. I mean, you know, I typically have 25 to 30 stocks that are in the dividend growth type of criteria where we're only buying companies that raise that 10 to percent a year dividend, right. but there's always about 200 companies on deck that meet that criteria. So there's, there's that investment style out there that is important when you're in retirement. It might not get you the, the, the souped-up growth years when small and mid-cap are really rallying or emerging markets, but it gives you that long-term consistent total return of growth and in income with an inflation hedge because the companies are increasing their dividends. That's pretty good stuff. Now, um you know, sticking with that concept, uh, give me a little bit more color on what your expectations are for real estate. Uh, real estate, because we're finally bouncing along the bottom here and we're seeing the final, finally signs of bottoming, um, there th- could be things that could derail that, of course. You yeah. know, any kind of a major systemic credit issue where banks don't want to lend anymore or increase in interest rates because of inflation, that could, again, cause harm to real estate. And we will probably see a decade of, in some, not, not anytime soon, but soon, where you see high inflation, 
because of the amount of money that's been printed around the world. Um, but historically, real estate returns to the point of location, location, location. Mm-hmm. It will grow in areas where there's jobs being created um, and young people moving there. And it goes up at the pace of, of, of wages, yeah. right? You have the, the most important thing that determines the value of the house is the affordability of the mortgage. And so if the rates start going up, mortgages are more expensive. Right. And Less affordable. And if in, in income isn't inflating then housing prices aren't going to go anywhere. So they look like they're bottom. They look like they could go up with wage inflation right now. But if, you know, you don't get any wage inflation or there's, you know, many increases in interest rates, it could cause the housing prices to sit here for 10 years. Talking rate of returns and expectations with certified financial planner Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's where his CFP resides, newfocusfinancial.com. So some morning market notes out there, jobless claims out, GDP lower than expected, that's past performance, jobless claims lower than expected, that's positive, durable goods a lot lower, our economy is slowing, there is no doubt about it. You can find out more about me at robblack.com, you can find about, you can follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. What else do I have to throw it at you? I have a Facebook page, a couple Facebook pages. One is a group called I Hate Rob Black. Another one, Cron4, K-R-O-N-4, Rob Black. And you can see what I do in TV at 6.45 and 9.15 in the morning. You can also hear a copy of the radio show from KDOW, AM 1220, that I post on Facebook. So it's easy to follow me. If you want to drop me a question via Twitter, do it, Rob Black Show. Someone asked me about the fiscal cliff a couple days ago. It's out there. It's well documented. Our economy is going to slow next year. Are you ready for that? Is your portfolio ready for that? Now, it's so well documented, some people believe that it's already priced in the cake. It took so long to bake it, and I'll never have that recipe again. Again! Now, with that said, we all know it's a problem. Everyone knows it. It's priced in. Don't freak out. 67% of the time, the market rallies after the presidential election. Is it common? Probably. Got a big event coming October 13th, Saturday. Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning in the morning with CFP Chad Burton. At the Radisson Hotel Airport, San Jose. Super easy to get to. You can fly in from Seattle if you want to. You can probably fly in from Oakland if you want to. On top of that, in the afternoon from 1 to 4, Wealth Creation with me. It's a good event. Sign up at robblack.com. You're going to Black and your money on the Wall Street Business Network. Anyone wants to tweet me, I'm easily tweetable. Tweet Rob Black Show. I would love to get your opinions, your thoughts, your feedback, your prayers, anything else that you might have for me. What's your thoughts? Last segment I said everyone knows about the fiscal cliff, so why are we worried about the fiscal cliff? That's kind of the way Wall Street works, believe it or not. Not true and not through and through, not true every moment, but... 
it kind of works that way. Are you good with that? Or do you have to like go, oh, I'm worried about this fiscal cliff that no one else is talking about. No one else knows about it. I got this super secret knowledge base that no one else could possibly understand. People don't get, you know, the obvious. You have to, on Wall Street, look past the obvious. Um, Inspector Clouseau's supervisor, the guy who would always get mad at him in the French films, dead at age 95, reminding me once again that we all die. His name was Herbert Lohm. He was Czech-born. He moved from Prague on the eve of World War II. Peter Sellers' Jacques Cousteau Pink Panther franchise made him famous. His character, Chief Inspector Charles Dreyfus, had the thankless task of overseeing Clouseau's inept investigations. I think we've all overseen inept individuals. He ends one movie in a straitjacket in a sanitarium. That's a funny word, sanitarium. It's like... It's a white room with white mattresses, with a white jacket, helping your black thoughts. He used his toes to scratch Kill Clouseau in crayon on the wall of his cell. In the next movie, the Pink Panther strikes again. His character suffered a complete breakdown and merged as a supervillain. So everyone knows Peter Sellers. How many people know Herbert Lohm? Hmm. He wrote a book. In 1986, he, he said, I missed the Panther. He said that he was a serious actor, and he did it straight, knowingly being associated with crazy comedy. It cost him a lot of parts in his career. Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. You think the guy who played Bones was happy that he played Bones later in life? What's his name? He did have a girlfriend, though, named Didi. I've always wanted a girlfriend named Gigi, but a girlfriend named Didi would be pretty close. He played Napoleon Bonaparte. I can't think of any other movies that he ever played or any other roles. Uh, he auditioned for The King and I, but he didn't get. Yul Brenner got it. Yul Brenner, infamous, more than famous. Now, the good thing that this guy got was to be part of a franchise. Peter Sellers died in 1980. He outlived the Panther by 30-plus years. He's part of a franchise that children's children will still be watching. He got replaced by Kevin Klein when Steve Martin played Clouseau, which, for the record, I don't think. I think Steve Martin was kind of finished mid-'80s. I think he hit his zenith at the, in the movie The Jerk. Call me crazy. I know you may like his hillbilly uh, band-playing banjo thing that he does. I find it tired, and I find it one of those celebrities who just can't figure out that we don't really want him to play music, but he does it anyway. So there you go. There's your update on Hollywood actors who have died that no one really knows their name. 
Herbert Lom. Do you want to be 95 years old, die in your sleep when no one knows you? Sounds good to me. But we all die, right? Is that the investment lesson that I want to get across? Sure, why not? This fear is a bacon shortage, stressing me out. If you didn't hear my bacon rant, you can go to Apple iTunes, download the podcast. The show will be up in about 30 minutes after the show is over. It was probably my best segment ever. Happened about an hour ago. In large part, I love bacon. That's all I need to tell you. The 10 most shorted stocks. These are always interesting lists for me to look at. Do you want to know why? Why? Thank you for asking. I like looking at the shorted stock list because these are people who have already sold the shares. That means they have to buy the shares. And if they're wrong, you could be very, very right. Okay, school candy. Excuse me, I'm about to burp. Is on the list. School candy makes incredible earbuds. Of which Apple just came out with their own incredible earbuds. Will that kill the company? I don't know. A lot of people think the stock's going lower. Elsewhere on the list, Magic Jack. Who buys these Magic Jacks? Seriously, who buys the Magic Jack? In the last three months, the stock's up 34%. In the last year, it's up 150%. Keep in mind, the shorts have already sold it, so they're getting fleeced. A company called Tesla Motors. In the last year, it's down 9.2%. In the last three months, down 9.2%. In the last year, it's up 16%. Heavily shorted. Open Table, which I think is one of those strange companies that is left over from the 1990s, that is an incredible service, but restaurants hate them. Every time you make a reservation, they get a buck per person. Restaurants can't afford that. Have you ever noticed Chinese restaurants aren't on Open Table? You know why? Ancient Chinese secret. Not a lot of profit margins. If you don't have a lot of profit margins, you can't pay a buck for open table. And I guess there's also the issue that every time you go to a Chinese restaurant, there's open tables. But the point being is that it's expensive. And restaurants don't make all the money in the world. They make their money off liquor. There's a joke there, but I'm not going to say it. I still think dating should be a tax deduction for men. That's as close as I'll get to that joke. Soda Stream, incredibly shorted. It's up 7% in the last year. You can make your own sodas at home. I don't want to make my own soda at home. Vera Bradley, First Solar, Spectrum Pharmaceuticals, all on the list of stocks that have already been sold that will eventually have to be bought. When you buy a stock long, you buy it, you hope to sell it later at a higher price. When you short a stock, you buy it high, hoping to sell it lower. But you actually sell it higher, hoping to buy it lower. Some stocks that have had a reduction in short interest, Gap, Zynga, and Sprint Nextel. Gap has surprised a lot of analysts with significant growth, so the shorts got throttled. What else do we need to talk about today? It's primetime TV time. A lot of TV debuts. Always think of TV as an investment. 
Fox is publicly traded. CBS publicly traded. ABC is part of Disney. Which Dish Networks is trying to launch an online streaming of content to exclude Disney's ESPN. ESPN costs the cable companies like five or six bucks a month. So let's say you're a single woman. You're reading your Fifty Shades of Grey and you turn on Letterman and you watch a little Letterman before you go to bed. You want cable reception because you want cable reception. You've always thought of cable reception. Or let's say you're thrifty and you go with like a dish network. You're still paying part of your 60 bucks a month. Five bucks of it's going to ESPN. Will that last forever? I don't know. Hmm. Mike Wallace left $21 million to his fourth wife. Ain't that something? 60 Minutes legend Mike Wallace left behind an impressive $21 million fortune to his fourth wife when he died at age 93. But his wife, who he had been married to for the last 25 years of his life, died earlier this month before his will was submitted to the court. So the money goes from his wife to his kids. It's going to be divvied up in trust between the fourth adult, the four adult children. He didn't necessarily want it to go to his kids. All of his notes, his scripts, his files, his journals, his logs, his manuscripts, his videotapes, his movies, his photography, his honors, his diplomas, all intellectual property were left to his alma mater, University of Michigan. Hmm. Adele, she's recorded the theme song for the latest James Bond installment, Skyfall. Let the sky fall. And the chorus goes a little something like that. Let the sky fall. Let it crumble. We will stand tall. Face it together. I know you're saying, really? I should do it Gangnam style. Number two song in America, behind Maroon 5's One More Night. That's all I got for you. Got a seminar coming up. Hopefully you're there. It's called Roberto Negro E Doleros Seminaros San Jose Las Radisson Aeroporto. October Festo, 13th, though. You can sign up at robertonegro.com or robblack.com. October 13th, Saturday from 9 to noon. Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning from 9 to noon. This is a great year to do retirement planning as you get a $5 million exclusion. It's a good year to die. Sign up at robblack.com. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. I'm like a miniature Buddha, covered in hair. S&P 500 up 5, NASDAQ up 18, Dow up 15. Corporate America's a little wary about fiscal cliff. Research in motion is rising ahead of earnings. Pending home sales dropped in August after a very brisk summer. An industry survey surprised expectations, registered a 2.6% drop in pending home sales. Or the trend is still good there. Look, I said I said homes were going to rebound somewhere between 2012-2015. Late 2012, hey, some areas it's rebounded. Some areas it's going to be 2015. But I said that back in 2006, which makes me a miniature Buddha covered with hair. Um. So Herbert Lamb dead. Guy who played uh, Clouseau's boss. 
I know you're saying you're still dwelling on that. I kind of am. 30-year mortgage rates fall to a record 3.4%. If you haven't refinanced your mortgage, now is the time to do it. Like, are you kidding me? 3.4% for a 30-year mortgage? It makes me angry that I got a 3.8% mortgage. How's the market been showing signs of recovering with these low interest rates? Demand for homes remains choppy. Qualifying for that home is choppy. But these loans are pretty, these low, these loans are pretty cheap. And that's one thing the Federal Reserve has done well for you. They've lowered your cost of owning a home. They've lowered your cost of renting a home to yourself. They've lowered your cost of housing. How do I need to say it? In, can I say it in any other terms? Initial jobless claims came in at 359,000. That's people who are let go. You're fired. You're fired. And they walked their high knees down to unemployment. 359,000 people. Expectations were 379,000. Any number on 400,000 is a good number. As long as we're creating jobs and we've been anemic at creating jobs and we've been creating low-paying jobs. August durable good orders were awful. Boeing had one plane ordered. That's a durable good. It lasts more than three months. We don't eat it and throw it away. If you exclude transportation, like airplanes, durable goods were only down 1.6%. But second quarter GDP was revised to a very low and anemic 1.3%. You can look at your president, you can look at your Congress, you can say you're not doing your job economically speaking. Hmm. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.